Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, and welcome to the 614th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Beyond the 90 at beyondthe90.substack.com and locally on the New York Rebels at Rebel News Network. But as always, this show will be about American soccer. Chat room is open. Come on in and uh, uh, discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And as we get ready to talk about some great stuff here in American soccer circles, and we all know it's coming up very soon on this show to talk about the new broadcasting deal with United Soccer Leagues and CBS Sports. As always, I'd like to go ahead and discuss the situation that I think all of us as American soccer fans that have been plagued at this point in time with how the U.S. men's national team is being run by Greg Berhalter. Now, currently, there is a video of the U.S. men's national team, Greg Berhalter, was interviewed by soccer Hall of Famer and Spanish language broadcaster of Telemundo Sports, the one and only, the play-by-play announcer, the one and only Andres Cantor, interviewing Greg Berhalter after the ending of the 2023 international calendar matches for the national team. As we all know very clearly, this. The recent performances of this U.S. men's national team is not up to standard. It's not up to par. Especially when you lose uh, a quality uh, international friendly against Germany. And the way, the way that the U.S. played against Trinidad Tobago in the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Nations League. Now, they did qualify for the Copa America, and they did qualify for the Nations League semifinal match. They'll be taking on Jamaica at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, at the home of the Dallas Cowboys. This interview really made me angry and it made me concerned because when you have a head coach and his job is to motivate the players and at the same time to motivate the American soccer fan in a certain way. I'm not saying – We have to be in that locker room to hear what Greg Berhalter does. 
but to at least give American soccer fans the confidence and the belief that our national team will be prepared and be ready to go in the snap of a finger. And as of right now, Greg Berhalter is not showing or giving you the confidence that he can run this national team properly, and at the same time, he continues to do the same things over and over again. Either he's getting the tactics wrong, or he's getting the formations wrong. Either he's doing well in the opening half and then screwing it up in the second half, or he screwed up at the start and he got it right in the second half, and we don't know what he's doing. But for the first time, what I have seen from him when Serginho Dest did that absolute unbelievable blow up for no reason whatsoever how he could not leave out there a proper 10 men he still kept two forwards and tried to still attack where you would like to think that he might have to defend a little bit better And instead of doing that, they got scored on. Now, granted, they they won the aggregate four goals to two. But, but, they lost the second leg down at Hazley Crawford Stadium at Port of Spain, Trinidad, two goals to one. And once again, they're down a man because of a stupid situation, but if Greg Berhalter is not going to find a way to, you got to at least take off an attacking player or at least remove a, a striker. And if you're not going to do that, then what's the point? And it became a 4-3-2. Whatever. It should have been a 4-4-1 because you're down a man. You do not have the capabilities anymore to be even unless a Trinidadian player got sent off. That did not happen. And in this interview with Burhalter by Andreas Kentor, who did a marvelous job, this is the one thing that really bothers me. And this is if they get to a World Cup. And here are those answers from those questions about being in the World Cup. And he said, Burhalter, each game at a World Cup is like a final So you really have to prepare the team emotionally to play six to seven finals. That takes a toll on you emotionally. All right, fine. That's understandable. It is the biggest sporting event on the planet. You want to make sure you do everything correctly. But then this one really bothered me. When you get into the knockout round, the important thing is to total is to, excuse me, when you get into the knockout round, The important thing is to really hang in there as long as you can and keep it a zero and try to keep a shutout. The games are decided by next to nothing. What? What? Excuse me? What? What did he just say? Are you telling me 
that you're hoping and praying to not allow a goal to keep a clean sheet and that's the only way to advance? Does that sound like desperation to you? Does that sound like a head coach that you know that that brings out confidence out of his mouth to all of the fans and the supporters of the U.S. men's national team, the American Outlaws, Sam's Army, whoever. You bleed red, white, and blue. You bleed red, white, and blue. Is that what you want to hear from your head coach? You've got to put up a, a, a goose egg. you got to put up a bagel, a donut on the scoreboard and not get scored on. If you are going to be playing like that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get scored on. That should not be the number one reason to be in a World Cup match, either group stage or knockout stage. U.S. soccer brought him back. And this is the mentality that he is giving our players? Come and play on international duty? I understand there's no World Cup qualifying this this uh, turn this edition this cycle, but how is it possible? How? How is it possible that a head coach is asking his players to just play defense all match long, play negative football all match long? How today? On the UEFA Champions League Today show on CBS Sports Network, they are down in Miami to visit us American fans who, of course, love the game, watching our clubs that we support in Europe in the Champions League. Jesse Marsh, now a part of CBS Sports' coverage of the UEFA Champions League as he is based in Italy. In reality, he's still looking for a job in Europe to be a head coach, but until then, he'll be doing commentary on the sidelines during the pregame and postgame show. They asked him, Kate Abdo asked him, is this important? Does he believe in what Greg Berhalter is doing? And he basically said that this national team right now, this golden generation right now, has not had a signature victory against a top-ranked national team. We have the best players in the world right now playing for clubs like AC Milan and Juventus playing at other, you know, German clubs, Borussia Dortmund, like Eintracht Frankfurt. I would love for someone to be at Bayern Munich. We had some, but we had Dest at Barcelona. Now he's with Milan. We've had, you know, Ricardo Pepe at Feyenoord. And all of a sudden, some of these talented players, some are also dual nationals, 
playing at some of the top clubs in Europe, and for some reason, Greg Berhalter has not gotten a significant victory under their belts. His record speaks for itself, ladies and gentlemen. I don't understand what U.S. soccer is doing. And now you got the Copa America coming to our backyard. Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, Paraguay, Colombia, Ecuador, Chile, Peru, Venezuela now. Bolivia may be the one, maybe the weakest national team in South America, but don't sell them short. They could probably take us out. And when will that signature victory come for Greg Berhalter? When? When? Because right now, we got problems here. And the problem is this. How much longer will U.S. soccer tolerate the ineptitude, Greg Berhalter, not getting a signature victory against a top-ranked opponent? And if they go free and out in the group stage as the host nation of the Copa America, and they cannot do it against Argentina or Brazil or any, or any of the, those top ten nations of South America because it's a dogfight every single year no matter what club or country it's a dogfight in South America trust me folks if U.S. soccer had any chutzpah and Greg Berhalter does not do anything good or does not do the U.S. men's national team justice in the Copa America he's got to go and you bring in someone who can. There's no World Cup qualifying anymore until the end of the World Cup itself. So it's up to Greg Perhalter to finally step up to the plate and finally, finally, get this national team going and have that signature moment against a top-ranked national team from the FIFA World Rankings that we all know they do have the ability to challenge but will it be nothing if Greg Berhalter does not unlock this golden generation that we have right now? And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to talk about a fantastic moment that happened back on November the 7th and to talk about the United Soccer Leagues and CBS Sports' four-year broadcasting deal. He is the USO Championship League analyst, uh, analyst, as well as MLS Season Pass, CONCACAF, US Open Cup, even when you're spreading peanut butter and jelly together on a sandwich. The one and only Devin Kerr joining me tonight. Devin, welcome back. What an amazing moment this is for the United Soccer Leagues to team up with CBS Sports on a four-year broadcasting deal when you heard the news, how amazing was it? It was pretty incredible, but but not as good as that intro for the peanut butter and jelly, my friend. That's a uh, that's an all timer, <laughs> brother. Thank you, as always, Daniel, for effing me back. Um, yeah, you know what, man? It, it was something that's been in the works for quite some time. You know, going back to to last 
um, December, and I can remember being at College Cup in Cary, North Carolina. The USL Championship final just happened. San Antonio won, and, and there were rumors of a bunch of deals that could be done. We weren't exactly sure how that was going to shake out, though. And then the news that broke out mid-year of what was possibly pro-rel, that was then tabled, and, you know, the possibility of what could be for the future. Again, more rumors, um, contenders in, contenders out. To me, the the news itself, groundbreaking for sure. I wouldn't necessarily call it earth-shattering. Uh, we'll get more to that later. But the opportunity for the USL to continue to expand its wings, if you will, reach beyond ESPN, and that's not a negative thing, but to be able to go further than they have ever before, kind of similar to the Apple deal for MLS in the sense of, you know, Taylor Twelman called it unprecedented coverage for MLS on Apple TV when that came out. I would probably say that the, the phrase is somewhat similar here, though certainly not the same. It's apples and oranges. It is the most amount of coverage and the most in-depth and quality amount of coverage that the league has ever gotten. I don't know how someone couldn't rejoice over that. Absolutely. And not only am I happy for the USL, I'm happy for the game in this country that finally it is a major broadcasting network. I mean, no offense to ESPN. They have done an amazing job covering this sport from MLS, UEFA Champions League, the World Cup itself, at the time they had the Open Cup. Now, the Premier, of course, the Premier League, now with the Bundesliga, La Liga, and everything they've done either through linear television or through their streaming service of ESPN+. What CBS Sports has done is just unreal to, I would really say, tap in a big moment for those of us that support the lower leagues of American soccer. Yeah, I'm with you. Listen, the the footballing world took an interesting turn a couple of years ago. I would say that some of that is because of decisions by certain front offices to unload some of the entities. You could look at Fox. You could look at ESPN, of course, because of that, although Fox still doesn't have its hands in, in things. It's, it's not as in-depth as it used to be. ESPN certainly, for the most part, has – uh, ridden, I guess, is, is probably the word to use there outside of a couple of entities and gotten rid of all of that. We saw the same thing with Turner, right? So all of a sudden you're looking around and there's all this content. And where is the content going to go? I think people looked at it as who was willing to take a risk. And I don't agree with that because this wasn't risk-reward. This was just reward. You just had to have enough common sense on how to get the viewers, and that's not a knock on the previous networks and saying that they did it wrong. I just don't necessarily think they did it right. And those are two different things. It's kind of like walking in and say, okay, listen, this is what I'm going to have for lunch, right? And I'm hungry, so I'm going to eat this, blah, blah, blah. There are millions of people every single day that just eat to eat. That doesn't mean they truly enjoyed it, if you follow me. So we'll turn a sport on and we'll watch it just because it's there. But are you actually engaged and wanting more of it? That was the biggest thing that CBS went after. And, again, I don't think other networks necessarily did a poor job. I just don't think that they knocked it out of the park. I still think there's a lot of room for growth within CBS and all the platforms that they have. They've definitely um, strategized themselves 
at a multitude of levels. So they've gone after the European sector, the United States sector, and certainly now domestically United States with USL Championship and, and the rest of its entities. My question now is going to be is, what does that access exactly look like? Because within the deal, there are talks of columns being written on CBSSports.com. There are talks of the ability to be on Golazo Network, that there's gonna, they're going to be doing stuff on their weekly show, their daily show. Who's covering that? What is it going to look like on Morning Footy, on Box to Box, on Scoreline? Like, is there going to be one person that's involved in that every single week? Are they going to breed commentators like myself and Mike Watson? I don't know. I'm not lobbying for that. To me, it's really cool to go, this is what it's going to be. It's another thing to go out and execute it. And that's where CBS has done so well for itself before. I think the UEFA Champions League show and their coverage is is right up there next to NBC. Now, NBC and the Prem is certainly my favorite, but but they've done a really good job of closing that gap over the past 18 months. They really have. I think CBS Sports has truly stepped up uh, their properties of European, uh, North American, as well as South American football, whether it be club-wise, uh, international club tournaments, or internationally, period. Um, I just think they've been doing a tremendous job with their properties that they have acquired. And I think adding USL has really been amazing. As you said already, 75 matches on Galazzo Network, 20 matches on CBS Sports Network. And of course, both will be streamed on the Paramount Plus app and as well as their website at the same time. Uh, Columns will be written on uh, CBSSports.net. Just amazing coverage that, um, I mean, there. It's just amazing. I'm still blown out of the water by this. And nothing against ESPN. I think they've done a great job broadcasting the games. You know, featuring you and Mike Watts on the ESPN two or the ESPN match of the week of USL Championship. But not just the Championship League, but League One as well involved in this deal. How amazing is that, that the second and third divisions of American soccer are getting this type of coverage for the clubs, the leagues, the supporters, and even the broadcasters that are going to be a part of this, and hopefully will be you and Mike Watts as well. Yeah, 100%, buddy. And I would go a step further and and keep an eye on the horizon as to what the future looks like for USL League 2 as well. So now you're talking about second, third, and fourth division. There's a couple different viewpoints to take from this, right? The first one is coverage is great. Absolutely. It's great for USL championship, for League One, League Two, you know, USL HQ overall. The deal, which stretches through 2027, that's four consecutive years, incredible. I would look a second, um, a second viewpoint would be out of the 100 games this year, keep an eye on that terminology that I just used, the 75 that are going to be on Sports Golazo Network as well as on Paramount Plus, right? 24-7, amazing, all great stuff. This is free. Golazo Network is free, right? So you're not having to pay through a firewall. You're not having to pay through a paywall, whatever we're going to call it here. I, I think there, there are two things that come out of that. Number one, incredible. You have to love the fact that you can be a fan of this league and go and watch free television, free games, free shows, however you want to view that. I would also encourage fans to remember 
that this is still a business. And this isn't me saying this because I'm the lead analyst for USL. I would make the same argument if you're a UEFA Champions League fan. I would say it if you're a Premier League fan, if you're an MLS fan. Nothing in this world is free. For some reason, American soccer fans have decided that they have become quite entitled about the idea that they should get every game for free and they shouldn't have to pay for anything. Please pull your head out of the wrong areas and understand that that is never going to happen because even if you're an NFL fan or you're a Major League Baseball fan, you're either paying for the package or you're paying for cable or something and you're able to get it. Also, gone are the days where we're going to get everything in one place. The one-stop shop does no longer exists. So for USL to be able to do a deal here where they're able to give them access to all of these games, including 75% of them is free, that's pretty incredible. Now, yes, there are more games to come, over 300 more, specifically at the USL championship level, but I can promise you this, Daniel, there's, there's another partner coming. And while I can't say specifically who that partner is, it is going to give you incredible coverage, coverage that is not going to be bank, bank, excuse me, bank branking, if you will. Your pocket's going to be just fine. You're going to have free access on CBS Sports, and you can watch League One and League Two. So parents that are at home and their kids aren't in school and they want to see the USL2 players and they're playing over the summer, you're going to get access to that. These same kids have the opportunity to qualify on Open Cup teams. These same kids are the ones that are helping change the MLS league as you move forward. So it's, it's college kids, it's League One, it's League Two, it's championship, it's moving up to MLS. This is so intertwined into the depths of greatness that people need to fully grasp how amazing it is for this sport in this country. It's record-breaking. It's groundbreaking. You can use whatever terms that you want. But at the end of the day, forget the name of every single league and who owns them. It grows the game. And that's the most important thing. Before I came on, you were talking about the national team. You were talking about the golden generation and what Greg Berhalter needs to do. I go a step further, calling it one golden generation. We want to be a regular argument amongst teams that are great around the world, like Germany, like Brazil, right, like Spain. Those, certainly those countries have their quote-unquote golden generations. There's a reason why they are regularly ranked in the top ten that they are regularly in quarterfinals and semifinals. Broadcast deals like this long-term give our country the ability to get better as a collective, and that's the most important thing. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you on that, and that, my friend, is why uh, it's got to be consistently on better and better and better as the years continue to move forward for the national team and for the sport in this country. You know, Jake Edwards did an amazing job as president of the United Soccer Leagues. He restructured the leagues, obviously. He's made it more, I would say, better uniformed, You, I think we can both say. But with Paul McDonough now as the USL president running everything, with this deal, what has he done that's blown you out of the water getting USL and CBS to have this four-year broadcasting merger? Well, the first part of it is, is a character move for me, um, getting the opportunity to speak one-on-one with Paul McDonough and most recently um, at the USL Championship Final. You know, the report came out via The Athletic um, about him 
acknowledging those quote-unquote wrongdoings, if you will, at Inter-Miami. For someone to step up to the plate and say, I made a mistake, you have to acknowledge that. And I think you have to tip the cap there because in, in this society in general, we don't have people that do that, yet alone what people should be doing on a regular basis. We make mistakes, Daniel. Like, we're fallible. That's okay. It's okay to be human. And while I think in his specific situation, there were contributing factors around him that certainly helped the blame head his direction, he has stepped up and said, hey, my bad, right? And he's willing to learn from that. So that's number one. Number two, I was, I, I was greatly taken back by his acknowledgement of where the league was and where it's going, more importantly, where it wants to go. Those are three different things. And within that, you have to understand that the level in the game is changing. The broadcasts are certainly changing, but the ownership groups are changing too. And so you have guys in the old guard from years ago. You have new investors in teams over the past five seasons, and you've got guys kind of in the middle. So, you know, your RGVs of 2016, they're kind of the middle factors of, well, those guys were here before me, and I'm looking at that in the future, and I'm not really sure if I want to be involved in or what's going to go on there. Most people that have come in in the past five to seven years have ambition, all due respect, beyond what the owners were picking up in the, in the modern day that were coming in in 2011, 12, and 13. Again, that's not a knock on those owners. The vision has just changed. And within that, that means investment has to be deeper, right? The pockets have to be bigger. The monetary idea to actually operate a club has gotten more expensive, but it also has become more fruitful. So no longer, Daniel, are we looking at, hey, it's 3,000 people stadiums. Can we fit 1,000 into these places? And we've got a couple of cathedrals around the country right now that are putting, you know, five digits in. They're putting 10, 12, 14,000 in. I look at New Mexico United, Sacramento Republic, Louisville City, right? These are all teams that are, are shelling out great numbers every single week. So within all of that, you have to find a way to combine all of those different personalities and visions together. Paul McDonough has that idea, and he has a real good idea on how to do so. Now, it's going to take time, and it's also going to take investment outside of the monetary aspect of things of people truly buying into what the next chapter is going to be. The broadcast deal is great. More stadiums need to come. The infrastructure has to get better. The level of play has to continue to rise. At this point in time, USL Championship is certainly nowhere near the level or the infrastructure that MLS has. MLS is also very different in the past five years, in the past 10 years, right? We can keep going back and tracking back, and that's all you want to do is continue to grow. If you look at the numbers, if you look at the money, everything, that has taken drastic steps in the past three to five years, and I would say that the future is very, very bright as well for the USL Championship, and the broadcast deal is just one part of it. Paul McDonough understands that you have to tie all of that together. And at the Board of Governors meetings, they're happening more frequently now. He's conversing with them on a regular basis instead of just once a year. That's not a knock on Jake Edwards. That's just a change by Paul McDonough to make sure that as these tracks shift for everybody, he continues as the conductor to steer this in the right direction.
Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Look, I give Jake Edwards a lot of credit for fixing what needed to be fixed and at the same time restructuring the league on where it's a little more stable. And now with Paul coming in, I, I think he's looking definitely to the future. I think he's looking at what he needs to do to make moves to put USL in a better position, you know, financially, uh, media-wise, uh, you know, lucrative contracts, everything that you would like to hope that can make USL stronger and better, whether you want to be even with MLS or maybe a little bit better, that's up to them what they want to do. But you know what? When you see the positive strides being made, you cannot just stand back and say, eh, whatever. No, this is an amazing moment for this for the game in this country because you not only want to have a strong first division, but you want a strong second and third and fourth divisions below the top league. I'm with you, bud. And, um, you know, as we, as we started going kind of in this direction before, I would, I would be very careful for everybody to kind of hesitate on the moment. It's, uh, it's great for sure. There's no discounting that whatsoever, but I think it, it goes back to Paul McDonough. It's the work off of Jake Edwards. It's the broadcast deal. It's to continue to push and to say that, yeah, this is really, really good, but, but what's next, right? Because they don't have the luxury right now, in, in a good way, USL Championship of sitting and saying, well, now what do we do, right? You have to have visionaries. You have to have the ability to continue to evolve and get better and, and climb this ladder. To your point, is it above MLS? I don't know. I, I, I don't have an investment say in the league, so I don't need to answer that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, you know, I, I would say that you, no matter who you are, if you own something and you're a part of something, you want it to be as good as humanly possible. Now, does that mean that it's going to be above LMLS? I'm sure that there are some people within the league that want it to be that way. Does it need to be that way? I don't necessarily know if, if need is the right word. I do believe strongly that this is a country where they coexist. I think that the addition of MLS Next Pro makes it interesting, and certainly we've seen a couple of markets that were supposed to head into a USL championship team or USL League One team venture towards MLS Next Pro. That's not because one league is better than the other. That's because the owner felt that the operating cost or the current landscape was more suited to their vision at this point in time. Those teams could change. The market could change. So I would say that the, the, the work Jake did is great. The ideas that are in USL front office are awesome. But don't stop right now to smell the roses. You've got to keep moving. Absolutely agree with you. They've got to keep on chugging. Got to stay on the uh, front foot. Do not hit the brakes. Do not be on your heels. And USL right now is doing an excellent job of what they want to do for their future. And, you know, for starting 2024 and beyond that. Um, obviously, without really, you know, not to shy away from this, I want to quickly go to that championship final between Char uh, Charleston and Phoenix. I got to say it. I thought Charleston had it in the bag. I thought they're going to take it. Phoenix gets that big equalizer and then they go to the penalty kick shootout. And I never, I, I never thought, 
I would see a crazy shootout the way that I saw it over at at Patriots Point. My God, what was that like for you and Mike over there? Yeah, the game was incredible, man, honestly. I'm not really sure as a fan or broadcaster what else you could ask for, honestly, within the entirety of the game. I'll tell you this much. It's the best final we've had. It's one of the best games we've ever had in USL championship history. It it truly gave you everything. Um, You said that you thought they had it in the bag. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think it'd be very easy for any person to go, oh, no, I saw this coming from Phoenix. I did feel that Charleston, for a long period of time, seemed that they could escape the game. But that word right there is probably where you would you would probably lean the other direction because escape was what they tried to do. Um, started really well, really, really well. Nick Markanik, um, you know, the, the ball that's up over the top by Emilio Icaza to Mark Segbers, who gets down to the corner of the cutback, and then Markanik, the 36 minutes into the game, they were cruising at that point in time. About 10 minutes to go, you know, like just after that it was – okay, Phoenix kind of – they got to find a way to get back into the game. Certainly coming out of the dressing room, it got better, and they were on the ball a ton. I don't have the stat in front of me, and I do apologize, but it was something around 64 or 67% of Phoenix Rising's goals have come in the second half. That's a pretty drastic number. And for a team that the last seven games of the season only had one win and none in their final five, to still finish top five in goals, it, it, it kind of gave you the idea that not only did they know how to close, they know how to score, you kind of felt like it was coming. They were more physical. The tactical changes that Juan Guerra made, incredible. But as we got into penalties, this is something that I still haven't been able to look it up. There isn't a single game that I've covered since I started broadcasting that has ever seen a change like that after the first three. Um, to go over and then all of a sudden turn it around and and to finish like that in five penalties. Um, not only have I never called one, Daniel, I'm not sure I've ever witnessed one like that. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's happened somewhere, of course, in the history of the world. Like, let's be clear on that. But I was, I was truly thinking about it. I'm like, when have I ever witnessed a game where they miss the first two and then make the next three, and then the other team makes the first two and misses the next three? I, I can't recall that whatsoever. Um, I've never, yep, it was I've never goals, seen that before in my life either. Right? Like, it, it was goals. It was physicality. I mean, it was everything. And it was, it was funny because going into the match, I remember – thinking I was actually quite worried for the game because Juan Guerra and Ben Pierman, they're actually taking their pro course together. And they've been together since just before the start of the USL championship season. I was concerned because they work together so much on a regular basis and bouncing off ideas and so-and-so, I was concerned that they were going to kind of nullify themselves out. But that wasn't the case whatsoever. Instead, it was an incredible 1-1 game that had tons of action, some interesting refereeing for sure, but one of the better USL championship games we've seen 
and certainly the best final that I've been on since calling finals in the league, which is since 2018. Mike Watts, who's called since 2015, said it's the second best in his opinion, the other being the 2015 final between the Rochester Rhinos and LA Galaxy 2. It was incredible. Oh, yes. Yes. I remember watching that one. That was Bob Belilly's year when he won the championship over LA Galaxy 2. That's, right. That's yep. right, buddy. I re- exactly. Yep, I'll tell you, that that was an amazing final. Uh, wanted Rochester to win that one, not because it's the, you know, a true second division team, just, you know, just, just felt that Bob Lilly, I've always felt that if, if MLS was not around and if U.S. soccer wanted to hire a USL uh, second division or at least a USL head coach to be a U.S. men's national team head coach, Two people I've always uh, would I would always say would be uh, perfect fits. One would be, of course, the defunct Harrisburg City Islanders slash Penn FC, Bill Betcher, and Bob Lilly right now with Pittsburgh, who was at the time with Rochester. I'm with you. Uh, by the way, we should probably give him his credit. Uh, the 2023 USL Championship Coach of the Year, Bob Lilly. Reminder. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. USL Coach of the Year, Bob Lilly for 2023. What he did with Pittsburgh this past season in the regular season was unbelievable. Uh, The big run in the Open Cup, unfortunately, falling to FC Cincinnati in the quarterfinals. But still, though, Bob Lilly has just been an amazing man, head coaching everything uh, with that Riverhounds team. Yeah, they're awesome, man. I, I, I I was saddened for them. Uh, not disappointed in them. I was saddened for them. You know, it's one thing that they've, they've struggled with in Pittsburgh since Bob Lilly has stepped in. You know, they've won the Eastern Conference now twice, 2019, uh, yeah, 2019, and then this year in 2023. They, of course, won the Player's Shield. That, for people that don't know, the Player's Shield is the regular season title winner in the USL Championship, the number one overall seed. But, unfortunately, when it comes playoff time, Pittsburgh have struggled. And I'm waiting for them to get over the hump. Kind of felt like everything that they went through this year, that they were going to be able to to surpass all the issues that have been and, and kind of resurrect some of those inner demons to, to push themselves over the line, but not, not the case. Not worried about them, though. Bob Lilly, in terms of a coach, he can take a golden boot winner in college and turn him into a golden glove winner and then vice versa. He'll take the best defender in, in the NCAA in, you know, 2023, and by this time next year, he'll be a golden boot winner. He is incredible with what he's able to do with personnel, get people to buy into his system, and push everybody in a positive direction. Real quick before I let you go, um, let's talk expansion sides. Uh, Rhode Island FC starting next year. How do you like their setup? And, uh, of course, Jacksonville's coming in, uh, I think, 2025. There's also Milwaukee. And uh, North Carolina FC returns to USL Championship after their uh, (laughs) self-relegation down to League One. What's your thoughts on those uh, sides? Okay, so Jacksonville's still a few ways off. Um, I do like the ownership group. I know that Tim Tebow for them as well. Some really, really good ideas. Young man by the name of Mauricio Ruiz, used to be the head coach at JU. He's involved in the front office now. Really like some of the vision that he's brought there. Rhode Island FC, Kano Smith, 
They've already put together a solid roster. I know they had Christine Lilly visiting earlier today. Brett Johnson is part of – he's the main owner there, the principal owner. He was part of the ownership group that resurrected Phoenix Rising, if you will, formerly known as Arizona United, rebranded. You know, it's Diplo, it's Didier Drogba, Brett Johnson. There's a ton of names, Pete Wentz involved in there as well, um, that, that brought Phoenix Rising to the forefront of USL Championship. They, of course, are the title winners this year. Now, while Brett Johnson still has a minority ownership, he's vacated his seat on the board. Royal Island has broken ground. You know, training facility, stadium facility, head coach, they're doing everything right from top to bottom. Um, I'm interested to see what they do their first year. Um, Not always easy for an expansion team to come right out of the gates and kind of knock it out of the park. Really, the the most successful are the Tampa Bay Rowdies of 2017. The second most, if I'm not mistaken, was actually the Detroit City team of last year. Two very different organizations. Um, Rhode Island, certainly, when they add their name into the mix, a third is, is going to be different as well. But but a fun idea. Um, and, and I think that operating in the Northeast and, and the vision that they have there, you know, he's part of the, the ownership group. Um, Based out of Pawtucket, help me. Who does he, they also own? Um, oh, my name's going blank now, and Brett's going to hate me for that one. Um, <laughs> that's a bad I'll one. I'll forgive you. They, but they got Brett him. Louis from the front office. Um, he's their president. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Kano Smith has also been given the um, the general manager title. Dave McKay is on the coaching staff there. Great AC. Um, Ipswich Town. There we go. Thank you. Brett Johnson and Ipswich Town. So they've got a ton of affiliations and um, some some really big visions there. I, I, I'm excited to see what happens. Absolutely. I can't wait myself. Devin, as always, uh, great job. Hopefully you and Mike will be a part of CBS Sports' coverage for the next four years for their broadcasts. As always, you do a great job. I will speak to you again soon. Thank you once again for coming on tonight. Uh, great, great moment for the United Soccer League. Great moment for American soccer. Let's, uh, let's make that happen next year. I cannot wait. Thank you once again, Devin. You're a gentleman and a scholar, Daniel. Give me a shout when you get down to Florida. I look forward to seeing you, buddy. You definitely will get that shout. Thank you very much. All the best. All right. Devin Kerr, USL Championship Analyst. MLS season pass analyst, CONCACAF analyst, and Open Cup analyst talking about the brand new broadcast deal between the United Soccer Leagues and CBS Sports. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. I cannot wait for it. Quickly, uh, for the Copa America, the draw will be on Thursday night, December the 7th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time down in Miami. And the draw pots are already set. In pot one, the United States, Argentina, Brazil, Mexico. Pot two, Uruguay, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru. Pot three, Chile, Venezuela, Panama, and Paraguay. Pot four, Jamaica, Bolivia, and the two play-in winners during the March international window of 2024 in between the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals third place and final which will all be down in Dallas those play-in matches will be in Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas Canada versus Trinidad and Tobago and then Costa Rica versus Honduras 
It should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And I cannot wait for that to take place. I want to thank again my guest tonight, Devin Kerr, on this wonderful moment for the United Soccer Leagues for their Championship League and League One. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me tomorrow night for the MLS Cup Playoffs of 2023 Conference Semifinal Review Show. It's going to be fun, exciting, and I cannot wait. Once again, thank you for joining me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long and have a good night. Bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody.